I'm Harry, digital marketer by day, crypto enthusiast by night. And I'm Mel, a new kid on the blockchain. Join our convos breaking down the basics of digital assets so that you can understand the world of cryptocurrency. Strap in for a wild ride into the cryptoverse. Okay, everyone, welcome to another episode of Step Into the Cryptoverse. I'm your host, Mel. Where's Harry? I'm here. <laughs> Harry's my co-host. Um, again, thank you to everyone who listened, who have listened to the past uh, few episodes that we've put out. Um, we have really great feedback. In fact, I think Bitcoin went down a little bit today, and a lot of people did not panic because of our previous Bitcoin episode, thanks to Miguel Conata's uh, um, framing of the volatility of Bitcoin, that this is a good thing, and don't be afraid. Harry, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, it gave me so much more confidence. Miguel was so bullish. And, you know, I hope a lot of our listeners really learned a lot from that episode. Nice. And we have another really super awesome episode. We are so thrilled and delighted to have our, our next guest, who is a, a legend, I think, already in the startup uh, space in the Philippines. Not just in, bit, in crypto, but in the startup space. In the Philippines. Yep, we have a legend, another OG in the crypto space, but more importantly, a legendary entrepreneur. You know, his startup was acquired for $95 million. That's almost 5 billion pesos with a with a B, guys. And other than that, more importantly, this startup now gives access to millions of Filipinos. It gives them access to cryptocurrency. So we'd like to welcome the founder of CoinsPH, Ron Hose. Welcome, Ron. Hi guys, uh, really happy to be on the podcast. So yeah, Ron, uh, you know, I'd really love to to ask. You know, a lot of people know you as someone who's built Coins PH and you know built this e-wallet that's become really successful and, and was acquired. But I'd love to know what got you into Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies to begin with. That's a good question. <laughs> so I guess I mean I'm a geek, right? Uh, always, I've always, you know, I, I grew up around. Computers, um, you know, always, you know, uh, computers and kind of, you know, tech and startup, uh, startups. Like I mean, my first startup, I joined at sixteen. Uh, it was really early internet days, and so the first time I heard about Bitcoin was actually when I was working at a venture fund called Innovation Endeavors, and I was chatting with an entrepreneur. Was, uh, that was, I think, like in maybe twenty ten, somewhere in that range, like you know, pretty early on. Um, and they started. They actually introduced me. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Uh, fortunately, I didn't buy that early. I think it was, you know, a few dollars a coin at that time. But that was kind of the first, you know, my first glimpse, right? Uh, and then um, fast forward like a few years, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, um, I uh, uh, I landed in the Philippines in uh, 2013, kind of, you know, with a, a, a I want to go back on, I was, I, was, I spent it spent a couple of years on the venture side and I wanted to go back uh, on the entrepreneurial side and build a new company. I wanted to do something that was big, but also had a uh, big social impact. And um, that kind of led me, you know, led me to Manila uh, through a, you know, <laughs> there's a story in its own on how that happened. But basically I was looking for, you know, I was scouting for opportunities. So right? trying to figure out what, you know, what can I build that's going to, you know, have, um, you know, real impact on people's lives. Right. And, um, uh, and, as we were looking through this, you know, the Bitcoin was starting to kind of like, you know, pop, right? Uh, and when I say pop, it went to like, you know, $30, $70, $100, you know, then it went, I think it, 
remember where it was like towards the end of 2013 it was you know maybe even close to a thousand or something like that and i was like okay this is interesting right um but then it was only really i think like christmas of you know christmas of 2013 i went surfing in bali <laughs> this is the real story you know it was kind of you know when i'm in the water it always gives you time to think and it was i think that's kind of where like the it clicked for me how like the potential of blockchain to really disrupt like financial services and it connected to all those problems that i was seeing like on the ground where people you know didn't have access to like to banks uh they were paying all these like access fees in order to like move their money around like you know be able to lend uh money etc and i i was the lightning bolt went off that like basically the centralized network can help basically make the services more accessible to people uh and democratize access to financial services um and that's where the kind of idea of combining basically uh, the the what's happening in the bitcoin space and what and kind of the problem in in financial services together into a company uh came you know basically came into mind and then you know i went back um you know i i, I got back to manila i think in january and was speaking with my co-founder at the time and we're like okay we all in you know we dropped everything we we're doing and we we're like okay we're going to build this and, and this is where we're going to put all of our energy and that's you know that was basically the creation of coins i'm so curious what, what has coins evolved from how you initially first saw the the product or the the site or the app and how much has it grown yeah it's really interesting because in some ways like it evolved in ways that we you know we could not you know could not have anticipated uh, but in other ways like the you know the overall vision kind of remained the same like i i always look back at our you know seed deck uh and when you look at it, it it really you know it really revolves around like the banking penetration and the potential of basically of 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 blockchain to you know solve that problem and that kind of you know vision mission has stayed you know with us uh i think the whole time um things that changed were basically how we were delivering the services so like you know version 1 for example was you know like when uh, when we first started doing remittances over Bitcoin, like the first version was really on Bitcoin, right? And then we figured out, okay, look, you know, like an OFW, like they don't need to deal with like, you know, they don't need to be exposed to like volatility, right? Water transferring the funds. And also it's very difficult to, you know, to kind of denominate things in like this, you know, in this like little fractions, right? So we built a mechanism that allowed them to basically see the transaction end to end in, in PESO. When, where the underlying railway was was crypto so a lot of that i mean it, a lot of that was kind of like evolution right like product evolution understanding exactly what the consumers needed how we solved how we could solve a problem in you know in one space but use technology from another space to resolve it i imagine ron you know you were so ahead of the game ahead of all the other players in the philippines i imagine you you know you had to work with the government with regulators you know we've seen other markets that have been more resistant to these kinds of technologies, uh, how was it like working with our government here in the Philippines and the regulators? Yeah, I think this is something you know both you know Miguel, who was on last week, you know, and and and, and us are very familiar with, right? Having kind of you know, we, we came in with something that no one was really familiar with, right? And it, it took a while to kind of you know get regulators comfortable around what we were doing, uh, but I think um, you know we we were. I mean, there's a few things that I think we did well, which we were, you know, we were very transparent with the regulators uh, and we were very respectful of, of the rules, even if they, you know, if they didn't, you know, even if there wasn't a framework yet to apply them to us, um, we're always kind of working very hard to make sure that, you know, we, you know, we self-comply, right? And, 
I think over time, what happened is the regulators kind of, you know, through that dialogue, right? Like conversations would go to the, you know, to the central bank, uh, uh, you know, and, and present what we we're doing and people were listening. And, you know, they, they, I think the market kind of, you know, like the, 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 the regulators like start to understand the, the, um, the, the value in, you know, in this space, like the opportunity that it presents to the Philippines as a country uh, and to Filipinos. And I think that's when, you know, some warming up and, and then uh, uh, structuring of like of regulation, right? And eventually there was a framework for uh, virtual currency operators that was introduced that kind of helped ensure that, that all of us who are operating in the space are kind of, you know, keeping to the same, you know, to the same standard of operations and that, you know, there is proper consumer protection in place and things like AMLA, like money laundering prevention uh, programs are in place, et cetera. So yeah, it was a it was a long road, right? And I mean, initially it wasn't just a regulator that was, you know, I think, you know, rightfully cautious, right? I mean, everybody, like our counterparts at banks, businesses, you know, even like friends and family, you know, were quite split and divided, you know, early on on, on what it is that we're doing and is this legit, right? Fortunately, you know, we're 10 years, you know, I think we're almost 10 years in, into this now, right? And now it you know it's almost taken for granted and the type of questions that people are asking are very different right uh people understand the mechanics they understand like how this works and it's really more now about like discovering value versus you know it's 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 more driven by that than by kind of like you know fear which i think is a good thing so we're gonna have another 10 years of growth ahead of us Is there a particular reason why you chose the Philippines? I know you mentioned a while ago, like bank penetration was in your seed deck, and you also mentioned remittance, OFWs. Is there a particular reason? I remember uh, years ago, you all there was also like you were also expanding to Thailand and I think other markets. Why? Why the Philippines? Why was it so successful here? On yeah, so the first thing to know is that I didn't start coins page and then you know coins and then decide okay i'm going to launch in the philippines it was actually the complete opposite i i, I decided first that i wanted to do something as an entrepreneur in the philippines and then we figured that this was the right opportunity for the market in terms of like solving like the problem that, that would actually help people the most right the, or the product that would help people the most so my choice of coming to the philippines are actually based on like a much kind of a high level my higher level kind of macro view which was I wanted, like I said, I wanted to do something that has positive social impact, right? And in terms of like, kind of like just my personal style, it wasn't like, I'm not going to join an NGO. I'm going to build a company that actually like that it has this kind of positive social mission, right? And my thesis was basically that, you know, looking at kind of emerging markets in general, uh, people lack access to like very basic services like healthcare, education, finance, commerce, right? Like you go to like a, Barangay, like out in, like in the, you know, north end of the Philippines, right? The number of SKUs that they can buy from like their local store, right, is very limited. Uh, in the type of banking that they can conduct is very limited. You know, the health facilities are, are limited, right? But at the same time, we're having this, you know, mobile penetration. It's growing very quickly. Everybody has internet, everybody has Facebook. Uh, so, you know, why not use that to deliver those services, right? That was basically what made me move in in the first place in 2013. Um, and then I started to look at, uh, at the opportunities that I could tackle, like which one of these do I want to, you know, I want to take. That's the backstory. And in terms of why, I mean, to answer your, you know, your real question here, which is like, why Philippines for the same reason that I believe in Philippines now, I mean, it's a large market, uh, it's fast growing economy, fairly young population, very tech savvy, 
English speaking, which means, you know, both that people are, you know, reading and, and they know what's going on outside, right? So the, the market is like, you know, relatively like educated, even if they don't always have, they don't always enjoy the same level of services, uh, but they know what level of service they should expect. It also means that when you're building a company in the Philippines, you can build culture because it's easier for me as an entrepreneur since I, you know, I, I obviously did not speak like Tagalog before coming to the Philippines. You know, even if I would were to study Tagalog for like four or five years, I'm never going to be able to like have that same, you know, to convey emotion in the same level of, of a native speaker. But, you know, with my team, like all speaking like fluent English, you know, we, you know, we can share ideas, right? Like we can build culture together. That's a connection that, you know, you wouldn't enjoy in another country. This is 2013. We're in 2021 now, end of 2021. And I can tell you 100%, like all those are still like holding very strong, you know, for me. I, I, I don't think any of those theses have actually changed. My conviction is just, you know, has just increased. You know, I think for the startup ecosystem, there's too, still like huge unrealized potential in the country. I think this year we've finally started to see some breakout entrepreneurs uh, with interesting businesses that are scaling well, that are about to hit, you know, unicorn status um, and a lot of more early stage stuff coming out as well. Again, the quality of the entrepreneurs that we're seeing is much better local and a lot of, you know, also philams and, you know, like basically like Filipinos have, who've grown up abroad that are coming back into, you know, into the country. It's a lot of momentum and I think, you know, a lot of opportunity and potential. I guess it's pretty safe to say that every Filipino now who is in crypto first started with by downloading coins.ph, coins.ph and signing up for an account there. What do you think is the secret sauce of the coins.ph wallet and what made it so successful for for the market? I think it's actually very simple. Uh, you know, we were very focused on providing, you know, like customer experience and understanding what people needed, right? So, you know, initially it was really people wanted to make sure they could get in and out of fiat very easily, right? Uh, to get cash in and cash out. And so we really expanded a lot of partnerships on that and made it easy to get funds, particularly to get funds out, right? Because like, you know, you're holding your funds in crypto and, you know, if, but a lot of people need cash, right? For like day-to-day -day living, we wanted to make sure they could get that right away. And yeah, I mean, so we really focused on that experience. And the services that consumer needed, you know, I think it's a little bit different now. With with uh, uh, now we have GCash and PayMaya, and so like load and kind of baseline financial services are probably not as critical. And I think you know, still to be, you know, we, we sold coins. It's almost you know like maybe almost three years now. Uh, and you know, obviously, the new buyers have you know different vision in terms of you know how they you know how they want to scale and what type of service and how they want to service customers. I don't have a lot. Unfortunately, don't have a lot of you know. Uh, intervention there you know i think originally and what carried us for the you know for the five years that i owned and operated it was really on ensuring that customers are protected that you know that, that they know that we care that we give them you know great you know great service and that we are solving a pain for them you know in my view i think the market has changed now and i think actually consumers need you know like this is an it still remains an important part of what customers need but i think there's a lot of other things that people need now they need more efficient trading. They need lower, you know, lower transaction costs, lower spreads. Uh, and I'm no longer at coins. So I can't, unfortunately, cannot control that. You're seeing, you know, a lot of trade volume going, you know, and reasonably so going to like, you know, platforms like, you know, FTX and Binance and whatnot, because uh, uh, the value that people can get there is, is better, right? Like if I'm trading crypto on, a, on an ongoing basis, 
uh, I'm going to pay a lower spread and get, you know, get much better, you know, much get better product. You know, unfortunately, I actually think there's not enough competition in the Philippines now for like onboarding cash and in, can, can, cash in and cash out. And people are actually paying too much. It shouldn't be the people, you know, people should not need to pay like, a, you know, 1% of, of what they're depositing, uh, you know, just to get, you know, in and out of crypto. I think that's, you know, in my view, that's, that, that's too high. There's not enough competition. And I'm hoping that we'll see that change soon. The other thing is there's a lot of financial services that, that exist on crypto now that are not being provided to consumers, um, right? There's uh, yield products, right? So there's uh, one of the coins, uh, or the, the CTO, the chief technical officer from uh, CoinsPH, I'll make a quick plug. Uh, also said, I'm, I should uh, also disclose I'm an investor. <laughs> he founded a company called Finblocks out of Singapore that's providing, basically that's, that's working on setting up these uh, uh, yield you know, bearing instruments. Like basically like a DeFi product for you know for Southeast Asia. Uh, I think it's something that's very important, right? To give people access to those type of products, uh, obviously in a in a controlled and and you know and 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 safe environment. Yeah, there's still a lot to do, essentially. So you know <laughs> a lot to do. Do you foresee banks putting more trust into crypto transactions? Like I tried buying, I remember I tried buying um via coins and then I tried to use my credit card bank shall be unnamed and then it got declined and i was wondering wow when are when are banks gonna start stop flagging these transactions in the country yeah you know it, it depends a lot on the institution you know and, and again i don't want to name name names but you know some banks you know we, we've seen some banks like even you know block you know block accounts of consumers because they were involved in crypto right and people should not be barred from you know from making you know making investments i think that's going to change i I think one, you know, if you look across the field, different banks have different perspectives on this, uh, right? So if you're dealing with a bank that is that is not being crypto friendly with you, uh, then you know, vote with your money. You know, take it to another bank. I did. I opened another account in <laughs> a different bank because why? <laughs> exactly, and I, I I encourage everybody to do this. You know, not just you know to make your life easier but also to make a you know make a statement because this is the only way that they will understand is when you know when they see their deposits uh shrink because this is how the banks are making money and you know if you're keeping your funds with a bank that is uh uh you know pre preventing you from exercising your, your right to actually own you know own whatever asset you want to own just because it's essentially competitive with their business model uh then you know, why should you be giving them, you know, your deposits? Uh, you're essentially paying them to, you know, <laughs> your deposit is what's funding the bank, right? So you're paying them to act against you. So don't do it. <laughs> I love it, Ron. Uh, you know, one of, my, one of my favorite things about, you know, the success of CoinsPH is we have someone like you who's really, uh, you know, who's really an advocate of, of blockchains and cryptocurrency. And other than the acquisition, you're also now serving on the board of one of the most major banks in the Philippines. So are you, you know, speaking of banks and change, are you changing things from within and starting a revolution there in that bank? Well, I should, first, I should say that I'm speaking here in my personal capacity. Okay. Not, you know, <laughs> nothing of what I say is obviously uh, you know, representative of the, of the, the bank's uh, 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 position or opinion on anything, right? It's all uh, just my own, you know, my own personal opinion. Uh, the, the usual disclaimer. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, the bank that I sit on, I think has, let me put it this way, 
I think is one of the most forward, you know, most forward thinking outlooks, you know, of any financial institution, you know, not just in the country, but I think of, you know, one of the most forward thinking like regionally. Um, so I think that part is very exciting. In terms of what the bank is planning for the future, I don't know that I can, you know, <laughs> I can make comments on that, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, I can say that, yeah, like, look, it's when you look at the Philippine banking ecosystem, it's it's a spectrum, right? And you have incumbents, and the incumbents are sitting all the way at the top. They are incentivized to keep the status quo. And obviously, you know, they will not adopt new technology, definitely not one that, you know, drives decentralization and, 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 you know, moves away from basically what is, you know, the business model that is, that is, you know, that they're, you know, it's the branch that they're sitting on, right? Um, and their branch is pretty thick. So, you know, you can't expect them to be, you know, uh, uh, cutting that down. But I think other banks that, you know, might be, you know, might be in a different position might, you know, look at this as an opportunity for growth. Right. And, and they might embrace this, you know, more democratic system. And this doesn't just pertain, by the way, to crypto. It pertains to like things like open banking, you know, being able to even very simple things like, you know, like being able to move your, your funds from one bank to another. I mean, getting, you know, setting up uh, what we know as Pesonet and Instapay, which is basically the ability to move funds from one account to account. That didn't exist like a couple of years ago. Right. It was impossible to move funds from one bank to another bank in the Philippines. You know, and this is something that obviously, you know, not all banks were excited about at this or not excited about at the same level, right? This shift towards like an open banking system that is going to benefit at the end of the day, it creates a more competitive environment. It benefits Filipinos that we know for sure. It also actually benefits, you know, like every other financial institution other than the top ones who are kind of benefiting from having a closed ecosystem that they, you know, that they own majority of. Uh, that dynamic is going to continue, um, right? I mean, we saw it just recently. Look, we have you know Gcash, which I think is a phenomenal platform. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of of, you know, of Ernest and you know and and everything that they're doing. But you know, they have a huge advantage in the wallet space, right? It makes it very difficult for another wallet to enter. Then comes in BSP and puts in you know a national QR system, so every wallet can interoperate with any, every other wallet in payments, and now. It makes it a lot easier for like a second entrant to, you know, put up a wallet that's interoperable and can be accepted at all the same merchants, right? Because who would want to, you know, download a wallet that you can't use, you know, you can't pay anywhere, right? If all the QRs are just, you know, uh, Gcash, right? So this movement towards open system is 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 going to create more competition, more, you know, more wallet apps, more bank apps and when there's more apps there's you know the, the rates are going to go going to be lower the quality of the service is going to be offered you know they're going to have to compete on that and they're going to provide better service and you know crypto is just an extension of that blockchain is an extension of that it's like basically the ultimate like open banking system it's going to drive competition so we should be very excited <laughs> can't wait i can't wait for that to happen i'd love to see lower rates Yeah, so for someone who has a proven track record in this space, Ron, uh, what's your outlook on current trends? You already mentioned you've invested into a DeFi project. How about NFTs and gaming that's very popular among Filipinos right now? Yeah, so I'll say a few things, right? I'm never one to like hold, uh, you know, like, okay, is the market going to go up or going to go down? I don't know. You know, I've always believed and continue to believe in, in blockchain and the technology and the kind of underlying use case. And that conviction, I think, is, you know, Again, is you know similar to my conviction on the Philippines is is just 
you know, it's just growing. I think DeFi is already proving itself as, you know, as a, as a, as a, uh, as a model. Uh, and I think the adoption and, and the penetration of that is going to continue to increase. You can, if you want, you know, market signals, look at, you know, Square renaming itself as, as Block, uh, you know, last week, uh, kind of signaling that they, you know, they believe that this is, you know, this is the way to the future also. Um, but, you know, there's plenty of, you know, plenty of big names that are in the space and supporting it already. And I think that, that, that you know, we're, we're you know, we're, we're up and moving in that direction. When, you know, we started to talk about other areas, right, like NFT and gaming, you know, I would say the same thing. I think we're in NFTs and gaming, we're kind of where we were in crypto like four or five years ago. There's a lot of noise. Um, there's a lot of projects that are getting funding and, you know, announcing like big, you know, token offerings and whatnot. Not all of them have value, right? I think, you know, there's a lot of noise, so it's hard to kind of discern what is real and what is, you know, what is kind of just, you know, uh, you know, what is just PR. And I'm not just talking about like pool rock projects and stuff like that. I'm, I'm just, you know, some of them are legitimate people, but just, you know, they, without a sustainable business model behind what they're doing. So, you know, I, I, I actually think we're going to, you know, we're going to see a reset there at some point. That's my you know, it's purely speculation, but I think we're going to see a reset uh, the same way that we saw like a reset in, you know, in crypto, like in 2018. And, and after the ICO craze, and then, you know, we're going to see basically a lot of people and a lot of companies disappear and a lot of tokens disappear. Uh, but then there's those projects that actually have real value. Those, those are going to continue and grow because there is real application for NFTs. Uh, you know, art is a real thing. Maybe not everything that gets minted in OpenSea, you know, is, <laughs> has real value. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of questions on, on kind of, you know, the, the, the oversight of what happens there. But, but it's, a, you know, it's a real space. But art is just, yeah, I think it's just like the it's like the first thing that people have used NFTs for, right? But it's really not the end use case. There's so many other places where it can be used, like land registries, like uh, in trade finance, a hundred different you know applications. I mean, in so NFTs are a real thing and they're a real technology, and uh, you know I'm I'm pretty excited about that. On NFT based gaming, I'm gonna say exactly the same thing. You know, I think I believe in in player-driven economies, right? Like the kind of I believe in that structure. Uh, I don't know that anybody is really cracked like the long-term kind of like model for how play-to-earn gaming works. I think we're really just in the first inning of that ball game. And again, there is a lot. You know, I don't know. I'm on. I don't know how many Discord channels uh, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, a lot of them are very fishy. Um, you know, people are just you know, buying stuff left and right, but it's not really clear, you know, that anybody is building a proper product behind it, that, you know, that it's going to have like long-term sustainable mechanics. Uh, so you need to be really careful. Uh, but then there are, you know, there's a few kind of diamonds, you know, in between also that, you know, some of them are probably going to be like, you know, you don't know the next, the next Minecraft or, uh, you know, World of Warcraft. So add world of work after minecraft to uh you know to like a proper economic system and you know you have you have something very significant on a scale of one to miguel conata how bullish are you when it comes to crypto <laughs> i don't know we're probably you know we've been miguel and i we go all the way back to like Sosedo market uh, <laughs> i don't know if you know what that means but uh that was when the you know crypto community in the philippines was i think like 20 or 30 people 
I remember that people were selling bacon for Bitcoin. Whoever was selling that bacon would be rich. No, I re- and 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 restaurants still accepted Bitcoin at yeah. that time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I re- I remember buying, um, you know, uh, <laughs> from uh, from that from that vendor. Uh, I forgot his name now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember the bacon the bacon seller. Oh my gosh, how much Bitcoin do you think he has now? <laughs> yeah, bacon and roasted beef. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember how much I paid. Uh, you know, we were, <laughs> I probably don't want to remember. So, Ron, before we let you go, an awesome episode with you. I've been so excited to to have this episode. We'd love to get some nuggets of wisdom from you. What's your advice for Filipinos who want to get into cryptocurrency? And at the same time, given your success and your experience, your advice to people who want to start and build things related to blockchains and cryptocurrency? Yeah. So those are two, you know, two very big ones. But like, on you know, on the investment side, you know, I would say one is always don't you know don't invest anything you can't afford to lose, um, right? Because especially if you're, you know, if you're investing into like pure crypto, where it's you know it, it, it's really kind of market you know market driven, right? Um, so you know. The, there could be a lot of volatility because you know, like the inherent value in, in Bitcoin is just a social agreement, right? If everybody agrees that there's value in Bitcoin, there's value in Bitcoin. Everybody doesn't agree all of a sudden, right? So it's like a kind of like a massive like social experiment. So you have to be comfortable with that, right? Um, so don't invest in anything you can't afford to lose. Um, that's yeah, I would say that's rule number one. Rule number two, and again, this is very personal. I'm not very speculative in. In my investments, I like to have a thesis with you know behind what I put in, right? So you wouldn't see me putting money into like you know uh, Dodge or you know or stuff like that. You know the same way that in the same way that putting money into uh, uh, what's it called the stock that, that was uh, being run on Reddit a while back, GameStop, right? Even you know even if I hear everybody's like okay this is gonna you know pop by three x tomorrow, you know th- that's not my investment style. Uh, you know I like to look at things where I know the underlying value. Right. So, you know, I look, you know, at like protocols, for example, that I think are going to be, you know, useful for the future is going to, and I look at the, you know, the adoption rate on those protocols, uh, just as an example. Right. So then I'm really investing in technology uh, and in my belief, kind of like in the future, you know, what the right price for that is and, you know, how well these things are priced. It's very hard to uh, determine also at this point, uh, you know, is, is the reality. So that's why, you know, these are still high risk assets. Still, I try to focus on things, you know, like at least if I'm allocating parts of my portfolio into this, you know, into this uh, risk category, looking for things where there is like clear underlying value uh, versus things that are kind of driven by, you know, kind of market, you know, hysteria, <laughs> right? And yeah, so that's, you know, that, that's really it, right? I think there's a lot of, just unfortunately, there's a lot of kind of like, I don't know, you see like, you know, teams that have been around, that, you know, entrepreneurs with like, you know, first company, you know, all of a sudden raising like, you know, a, a token offering at like, you know, 300, 400 million dollar valuation, the probability they're going to build like, you know, a company that returns that are not high. It's not, it doesn't exist, but as a, you know, the, your risk offset is just not sufficient. Like there is a great article, I think by maybe it's Fred Wilson or uh, one of the New York VCs a couple of weeks back. And he talks about, you know, startup valuations and he's like look we're getting people coming in with the startup he's not even talking about the crypto world right this is just a tech startups uh founders some of them are actually and these are strong founders we're talking about people that have already had like you know 
like have traction or you know or have not traction or have like a track record right and they're raising their seed round at like you know, 100 million dollar valuation and it says you know rightfully so it says look unless this is like a you know something like incredible like for this to actually risk adjusted for this to be you know produce a return for me i need this to be you know to have an exit that's like in the you know in the 20 30 billion dollar range uh, right because he wants to see you know like that type of multiple for you know to make up for the you know for the other kind of high risk investments that he's making that are not successful and so you know now we're looking at teams that have almost no experience um you know not a lot of traction and they're raising money on on these token offerings at like you know a few hundred million dollar valuations right people are putting money in at like much higher you know rates uh, then you have all these other tech tokens that are sitting in treasury. You don't even know when they're going to get floated back in. And, you know, you, in order for that to return money to you, right, unless you're really kind of just speculating on the next person putting money in, uh, but in order for that company to actually hold that underlying value in the long term, they need to be, you know, huge, huge. That's high risk. <laughs> You know, there might be other better, you know, investment opportunities. So, you know, we have to be careful in your, you know, in your selection, I guess, uh, is what I'm saying. So, yeah, super awesome episode and glad to hear you're super bullish and thanks for bringing back the memories of Salcedo Market <laughs> Days. <laughs> so I guess that's it. No, Harry, that's, that answers all your questions. Yeah. Right. Yep. Well, we yep. won't keep you anymore, Ron. It was such a delight. Awesome. Good night, Ron. Thanks. See you. If you want to follow me or Harry on our socials, I can be found on Twitter at Mel underscore Alcaraz and on IG with the same handle. Harry, where can people find you? Harry Initiative on Twitter and Instagram. Once again, we are not giving financial advice in this podcast. We are merely giving you guys information, the tools, the research to start your own crypto journey <laughs> and watch out for future episodes where we'll we'll uh, interview and invite more people to talk about their passions for crypto again i'm mel and i'm harry thank you for joining us in the cryptoverse